Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. By half past ten, we pulled into the next job in Berkhampstead. So I had a little drive, uh, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it is. Got out of the car, looked up at the house to say to my lads, right, this is what we're going to be doing. And with that, I felt giddy. I needed to sit down quickly to find some form of balance. Basically that day, I don't know much about. I didn't have problems with facial features and any slurring. It wasn't that type of stroke. My cerebellum brain had been affected. So it wasn't a left side, right side issue. I eventually, I think eight days I was on a walking stick and I proved that I could go up and down a couple of steps, which allowed me to go home. And then since then, I've, I've really been at home concentrating on, on walking better, getting more use in my body. So a year later, we're still working on aspects of, of the physicality of the stroke. They did an ultrasound scan in hospital, trying to chase whether it was a blood clot, but they found nothing. So they don't know. There was an issue with timing. Timing wise, I had the stroke at half 10 on the 10th of August. I wasn't able to get an ambulance until midday, the 11th of August. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear. Welcome to Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. In this episode, we hear from Simon Johnson from Bovingdon in Hertfordshire. Simon was 55 when he had his stroke. My wife passed away in July 2019 and she'd been battling with breast cancer for 16 years. It eventually went to the brain at the end of December 2018. And although they, they did a little bit of surgery in Queen Square, it was pronounced that that would be to relieve the pressure on the brain. But from there on, it would be palliative care. So I then became Anne's main carer. I restarted life after coming to terms with everything. I restarted life. I went back to being painting, decorating and with that, I, I started my own little company again. And I was going okay. But of course, then we had lockdown one, and that brought everything to a grinding halt. I opened up again, restarted, lockdown two, opened up again, and I managed to get a bit more work during lockdown two. Things were slightly different in that as long as you could work it in terms of, of safety into clients' houses, albeit we'd have to plastic sheet rooms off so there was no physical contact between us. So that sort of worked for a while. 
And then I think we had sort of the final lockdown reopening again in around March 21. I, I didn't get any self-employed grants from the government through that period of time. So I had to rely on my own pension pot to get me through the, the, the everything. The reason I didn't get any grants, self-employed grants, was because I didn't have a full three-year history because of my period of time that I was doing caring. Fiscally, gave me a lot of problems over COVID and that year. But again, managed to get the company going and it was going really, really well. Some of the projects that I'd been speaking to clients about two years earlier were now required and people were wanting to get things done. They've been sat at home. They've been looking at their four walls. They want to get things done. So, you know, everything was looking good. We were busy, busy, busy. And then August the 10th, 21, my lad came around to a house. We went off to work, went to the first job, which in Bovingdon, and we literally finished off from the evening before because it was quite a bit of glossing work. Now we wanted to leave things like the tape and, and that sort of thing all around whilst it was wet, let it go off overnight, go back in the morning, basically clear up, which is what we did. And by half past 10, we'd pulled into the next job in Burke Hampstead. So I'd had a little drive, uh, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it is, got out of the car, looked up at the house to say to my lads, right, this is what we're going to be doing. And with that, I felt giddy. Simon's stroke was affecting his balance. I needed to sit down quickly to find some form of balance. Basically that day, I don't know much about. I didn't have problems with facial features and any slurring. It wasn't that type of stroke. My cerebellum brain had been affected, so it wasn't a left side, right side issue. It was purely what basically boils down to balance, which is why when the ambulance eventually turned up, they first off thought it was vertigo. And indeed, when I got to the hospital, the A&E, they treated me for vertigo and for balance issues, potential ear infections, gave me all sorts of shots. But it wasn't that. And I, I continued to slump in a seat because as time wore on, I, I lost control of my back muscles. And indeed, in fact, the lower half completely went as well. So when I eventually woke up, I was in the stroke unit and I, uh, I couldn't even sit up in bed. I was completely paralysed, really, from the waist down. But I had good use of both left and right hands. I had no facial discomfort or, or, or slanting. After a few days, they managed to get me onto a Zimmer frame and I managed to get myself around a little bit although slightly contained because of COVID and, and not allowed to wander around the corridors too much. I eventually, I think eight days, I was on a walking stick and I proved that I could go up and down a couple of steps, which allowed me to go home. And then since then, I've, I've really been at home concentrating on, on walking better, getting more use in my body. So a year later... We're still working on aspects of, of the physicality of the stroke. Although doctors knew where his stroke was in the brain, they couldn't identify what had caused it. They did an ultrasound scan in hospital, trying to chase 
whether it was a blood clot, but they found nothing. So they don't know. There was an issue with timing. Timing-wise, I had the stroke at half 10 on the 10th of August. I wasn't able to get an ambulance until midday, the 11th of August. It was due to a, a large accident on the M1, and they didn't have anybody available. So I, I had to wait for the next day to, to phone again, and therefore my ambulance was quite a bit later than it would have been better for me. It was the two MRIs in the evening of the 11th that proved it was a stroke, and it's quite a rare stroke in terms of it's just a cerebellum. In terms of being able to walk, I had a determination that I, after coming off a walking stick, that I would be able to walk through the concourse of an airport unaided. And in, in October 21, I chose to fly out to see my cousin in Spain just to take a break from everything and, and try and get some sense into what was going on in life. Coming up, Simon on his exercise regime. Much of the work I've, I've been doing recently has been in the swimming pool. South Oxy Leisure Centre have a specialist stroke swim group every week and I've been attending that and that's really, really helped with movement, with stretching, but in particular because you have no fear of falling. And talking to other stroke survivors. The other aspect is to to get involved with peer groups and to meet other people in similar situations. It can be a very lonely existence if you don't know about other people in similar situations. Let's hear how Simon is progressing with his physical recovery. Since then, I've continued to be able to walk. However, there's been changes in, in my feelings concerned with the muscles in the back, in the, the hips and, and around the pelvis area, and in particular down my, down my right leg. I had a period of time where from my waist down on my right side was completely numb. So it, it felt like pins and needles constantly. That went on for a month or so, and eventually... That dissipated and, and it became from the knee down was the pins and needle sensation. And, and that is, that's a good thing because it's the brain working out your sensations and feelings and nerve endings in those areas of your body. I'm now experiencing the same thing again in the lower half of my right leg where it's hypersensitive now. Everything is, is, it doesn't hurt, it's just, it's, it's, it's not a pain as such, but it's very uncomfortable, uncomfortable to touch anything with the, with the sole of the foot because it's feeling everything, but a thousand times stronger than it should. But that is part and parcel of the brain recovery. Another part of the brain is taking over now and actually sorting it out for me so it'll be able to completely thaw out my expression in an hopefully near future. I have got to go on to some new medication to help me. The work is still there. Much of the work I've, I've been doing recently has been in the swimming pool. South Oxy Leisure Centre have a specialist stroke swim group every week. And I've been attending that 
and that's really, really helped with movement, with stretching, but in particular because you have no fear of falling. One of the things I didn't realise I couldn't do because I hadn't tried to do it was walking backwards. But the pure theory of putting one foot behind the other to walk backwards, I hadn't done. And trying to do it in water, it was really difficult. Part of the cerebellum brain is what looks after your balance. And obviously, I wasn't able to, to do that. And, you know, I just wanted to fall over, but you're safe in the water, it's good. So that's, that's been an excellent help. The Stroke Association actually signposted me for that one. And I've been working with Headway, Hertfordshire, which is a brain injury charity. And we're working at the moment on a habit group, which is understanding the brain workshops, which is aimed at trying to get people back into work mode, understanding their injuries and coping uh, mechanisms to help them in the future. Simon is also involved with a number of stroke support services. When I first was discharged from hospital, there's a Hertfordshire early intervention stroke specialist team that, that visited me and they supplied me with an occupational therapist who helped me get some banister rails and, and other bits and pieces to help me function around the house. And they also supplied physiotherapists for six weeks and, and those were the guys that got me off the Zimmer frame, onto the walking stick, and then onto round two feet unaided. From that group, it was passed on to the occupational therapist at the Stroke Association to help me with my life situation. So help me to find activities and people to give me something to do in the days and, and to be in contact with people in similar situations. My first intervention was, was to go to a stroke group in Berkhamsted, which and, and they were lovely people, and I actually knew a couple of the volunteers there. However, they were a much different age group than I, and I found that it wasn't very stimulating for me. I sort of started, started looking for something that was perhaps aimed at more of my own age group and, and potentially younger. Headway were introduced to me, and indeed, they, their peer group in, in, in Hemel Hempstead is of a much younger group. So we have more things in common and we are doing things that we, we could all enjoy. Again, it's not overly stimulating going to the group, but I have learned from the group of other things that go on, which I have interacted with. The main one has come through Stroke Association, though, which was the swim group and my occupational therapist Linda Bolton was very helpful in not just introducing me to the group but also obtaining me a grant to allow me to have a few months of of free sessions because that's the that's the other aspects of of life at the moment is the difficulty of finance having to try and live on universal credit and PIP. And here is what Simon thinks stroke survivors should do to help their recovery. Do try and follow the advice of the immediate advice from the physiotherapist because as soon as you stop using those muscles, then it really is harder to get them back again. Follow the advice 
and, and, and don't cheat and do the, do the homework. The other aspect is to, to get involved with peer groups and to meet other people in similar situations. It can be a very lonely existence if you don't know about other people in similar situations. I think I didn't have a fear of having the stroke. It didn't frighten me like it would others because my dad's mum was a stroke survivor. In fact, my dad is also a stroke survivor. It's in the family to, to, to know what stroke survivors are. They're all different strokes, but there's something there that our family has been affected by them. Simon's stroke came after a difficult period in his life, but he's focusing on his physical recovery and is regularly attending stroke support groups and services within his local community. Thank you for listening to Stroke Stories. We really do appreciate the support. And if you can subscribe, comment and rate, that'll help us spread the word. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, our DMs are always open on Twitter and Instagram. Please do get in touch. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.